thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hi there, everybody. It's great to get the opportunity to continue this brilliant series that we're doing, this Summer of Freedom series. And I suppose what we're really asking, what Andy started out on week one asking, is are we really free to do what we want to do, as is illustrated in our song lead in there? You know, the heart that we have for this series is that you and I would truly come into fresh understanding of the freedom that Christ wants to bring in our hearts and lives. Andy looked at, you know, what we're free from and then Laura last week explored what we're free to do. And today I want to take the opportunity to consider what we or who we are free to be. In other words, how to be the real you. Have you ever looked in a mirror and been unhappy with what you see looking back at you? Not so much the physical image, the external representation of who you are, but the person you sometimes perceive yourselves to be. And you know, the reality is that a mirror is ultimately inadequate because all that a mirror does is shows us the external representation of how we look, but it isn't able to actually look at who we really are, the inner person, the person God is making me and the person that I'm discovering I am. I found out that one of the prisons that can often hold people is the whole sense of discontent and disappointment with how we see ourselves. That real experience of low self-esteem how we just struggle with the kind of person we feel we've become, maybe some of the characteristics of our personalities that we feel often unhappy with. Maybe you've experienced, like I have, that inner critic, you know, that internal observer that hurtfully judges our thoughts and our actions, that nagging little voice that sometimes whispers into our soul things like, you're not good enough, you, you don't look the part, people don't like you, just be quiet, people aren't interested in what you think. And if we allow that inner critic to be the mirror for how we see ourselves, then life is going to continue to be such a struggle. And yet there is a greater mirror to help us reflect a different image of who we really are. Because in the natural, in the natural course of our life and how we look at ourselves, the truth is we only ever see a portion of who we really are. The true intended reflection of the person that we are needs another perspective needs a fresh perspective so that we can capture a sense of what it truly means to be a child of God. And for me, that mirror has to be the Scriptures, the Bible, what God has said about his world, but about us as those that he has created. And the passage I want to take you to, to shape much of what I want to share with you today, is in 1 John chapter 3, in verses 1 to 2. And this is what it says from the Passion, Passion Translation. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvellous love that he lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognise who we are is that they didn't recognise him. 
Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it's not yet apparent what we will become, but we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. And I just want to share with you today four key truths that reveal the real you and the real me. And the first of those is all about dignity. In other words, the way I am loved. And this is what John starts in this mini passage I've just read a moment ago to unwrap for us. He says, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvellous love that he lavished on us. When we think about dignity, dignity essentially speaks about two things, worth and value. And we know that low self-esteem can often rob us of a sense of value in ourselves, in who we see we are. And sometimes it's even the words of others that have stripped from us an ability to feel dignified in life. That's not something important as much as someone we can hold our head up and know we have worth and value in this life. And that's what John is trying to do when he writes here and says to us that God has lavished. What a great word. He's lavished his love on us. And what I love about this is there is an intent on the part of God. He's doing something deliberate. It's a choice that God makes to love us. And it is this act of love on the part of God that makes us worthy, that gives us dignity, that reinforces the value that he places in us. Too often, I think what we've done, many of us who've probably walked with Jesus for a short period or even a long period, is we've allowed the mistakes that we have made to rob us of that value, of that dignity of being a child of God. And I think back to a very famous story in the New Testament that Jesus used a parable to express something of truth to his listeners. You know, when the errant son in the parable of the prodigal son starts to walk home, he is rehearsing a speech that he hopes will get him a job as a servant in his father's house. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 18. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He doesn't feel worthy. He doesn't feel he's got any dignity left. So why doesn't he ask his dad to make him a servant? But we know that when we read that parable, as he nears home, he sees his father running towards him. He cannot finish his rehearsed speech because the father is running at him. And you know, just this morning, sat in my garden, reading my notes, praying about today, I was reminded that the patriarchal fathers of the day of Je days of Jesus would never do this. They wouldn't gather up their flowing garments and run. It was undignified. I want you to know today, God came into a position of undignifying his status so that he could dignify us with his worth. 
He came in the person of his son into our world, leaving the majesty and splendor of heaven so that you and I could know our true worth and value to him. You are meant to be loved by God. Did you know that today? That's the whole purpose of God, that you and I would feel that we're meant to be loved by him. We are worthy because of what Jesus has done for us. Right at the very beginning of our series, Andy used some really great, big, strong, theological words, substitutionary atonement. And he was explaining to us there that it's because of what Christ has done for us, we are made acceptable, made worthy before God. We can have a sense of value and worth because we are loved by God. But the second theme John picks up in 1 John 3 is the theme of identity, the person that I am. He says there in verse 1 again, he has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Maybe you've asked the question, who am I? Maybe not verbally or articulated it to a friend, but internally, in the quieter, maybe darker moments of your soul. It's a question that taunts many people and could hold people in a cell of confusion and doubt because we struggle to feel that sense of worth and value. Yet to be able to say that I'm a child of God is a central feature and factor and revelation in what it means to live the Christian faith. I've had those struggles too, like maybe you have. Moments where we look at our natural parentage or our natural development and that may have, for some of you, caused you to wonder who you really are. And in Ephesians chapter 3, there's a verse that over the years has so deeply ministered to my life and reminded me of where I come from, where my origins truly are. When Paul says in Ephesians 3 verse 14, for this reason... I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I have a slightly different, unusual, standout surname that's not particularly common and popular and it can be pronounced or put on letters in lots of different ways. But actually the reality is I have an identity as a child of God that supersedes my surname which tells me something of my heritage. My identity is truly rooted in where I came from. Not so much my natural parentage, but the fact that I originated in the heart of God as his beloved child. In his brilliant book, Abba's Child, the author, Brennan Manning, says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. And I wonder whether you can do that today if you're a child of God and you can even try to just put to one side for a moment your doubts, your fears, your insecurities and say, you know, today I declare over my life I'm God's child. My identity is rooted in him and his goodness in my life. John, the same John who writes 1 John, in his gospel says in chapter 1 verse 12, yet to all who received him, to those who received Jesus, he's saying, those who acknowledged who he is and received him as their Lord and their Saviour, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, so not defined by my natural descent, 
nor a human decision, not defined by two people's decision necessarily to have a family, a great decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And underlying everything, as we've said in these first three weeks, the foundation of freedom, part of that foundation is that I understand God planned me, God intended me, I am ultimately God's child. I'd say it like this, my family tree and your family tree has divine roots. In the story of Pinocchio, the great kid story that Disney has immortalised for us, thank God for Disney over the years and the great themes and stories that come through those films, we meet this little wooden character who's lovingly carved originally as a marionette by Geppetto, a carver, a woodturner. However, the character, as you well know, comes to life and becomes the beloved child of Geppetto. And there's one moment in that Disney film where Pinocchio turns to Geppetto, his creator, and says these powerful words. He says, Papa, I'm not sure who I am, but if I'm all right with you, I guess I'm all right with me. There have been moments in my life, folks, where I've not been sure who I am or even comfortable with who I am. But in those moments, there have been special occasions I've been able to turn to God and say, if you're all right with me, I can be all right with me. And that's what begins to define my sense of identity because how God sees you and I frees us from how we see ourselves. We need a better perspective, a better sense, set of lenses to view ourselves with through the lens of how does God see me. But the third great theme is that of security. And it's all about the place that I belong. Because John goes on to say, beloved, we are God's children right now, here, now. In the first week, Andy talks about those things that fence us in. And I, I got thinking, listening to Andy that day, about some of the things that fence us in as followers of Jesus. And one of those is definitely insecurity. The uncertainties we sometimes experience about our relationship with God. The questions as to whether the mistakes we've made and the small things, even the big things, our failures, change our place in God's affection. And it's important we understand how God sees us. And I love the quote by the author Jack Frost, and yes, that really is his name, who says that sonship is a heart that feels at rest and secure in God's love. It believes it belongs and it is free from shame and self-condemnation. It is not arrogance or conceitedness to believe that you belong it's declaring over our lives what is true, that when we find our identity as God's children, we belong in his family. There is a certainty and a security that can come with that because true security is knowing our place in God, in who he is. Last week, Laura talked from Romans chapter 8 and that great passage about the Spirit and there's a section in there where Paul says this, and you'll find it in verse 14 and 15. And again, this is from the, the passage trans, Passion Translation. That you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. 
but you've received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join with him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, or in some other versions, the word that Jesus taught us to use, Abba, Father. You know, in the story again of the the prodigal son, this wayward son who took his inheritance and goes off and squanders it in wild living, the New International Version says. He, He wonders how his father will react when he comes home. Do you know, it would have been shameful for a father to accept the son back without actually being very clear of the shame that the son brought on the family. There was a ceremony called the Kazaza where the father would take an empty clay pot when a wayward child returns and the whole community would gather and the father would take that pot and smash it in front of the community and ordinarily the father would be saying, you are, I'm done with you, you've brought shame on me but when this son returns, something different happens. And Jesus is not just talking to us about the prodigal son. He's talking about the prodigal father because the word prodigal means lavish. He's talking not just about lavish failure on the part of the son, but lavish love on the part of the father. And in Luke 15, we find that this is what grace looks like. When Jesus says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. There's a a preacher's joke that says, you know, who was the most disappointed person when the son returned? And the answer is probably the fattened calf. (laughs) But what it shows us is that God the Father throws the best barbecue you've ever seen for a wayward son who comes home. That's what God does. God doesn't show any shame that he he might have because he doesn't have that. He understands us. God knows our failures. He's never been disillusioned about who we are and he loves us despite those things. And the security of saying when we wander, we're still welcome. When we make a mistake, we're still welcome. Because for the child of God, home will always be home. Nothing we do. And that security is the foundation of what it means to be free. Not free to make mistakes and not think that they're inconsequential. No, the mistakes that we make have consequences but the freedom to know that God would never close the door of his home to us when we turn our hearts back to him. Because we're more than just children, we are sons. When the Apostle Paul talks about adoption, he's thinking of the Roman picture of adoption and so many of you, part of our church, have stepped into that wonderful role of adoption and bringing people into your family and into your home. And he uses Roman imagery when the adopted child is brought into the family as an adult son. In other words, it gives the adopted child a right to the family inheritance. Not just a home for life and food and a roof and clothing, but a future, a sense of inheritance. And that's what he's saying in Galatians 4 verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's 
own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Wow. That's a pause wow moment, isn't it? That God would accept me as his child. But more than that, he would give me the possibility of sharing in the glory of his inheritance. And this is our security as God's children, sons and heirs along with Christ. But the final big theme I want you to see in these verses is that of destiny, who I am becoming. Verse 2 of 1 John 3, John says, It's not yet apparent what we will become, but we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. And this is a promise that we are not yet all that we one day will be in the purposes and plans of God. Let's have another Disney moment. And there's a Disney story that made famous the Hans Christian Andersen writings and particularly that story of the ugly duckling. A mother duck is bemused when one of her eggs, which is larger than the other, takes longer to hatch. And when it does, a little bird is born that is noticeably different from the others that have been hatched from the eggs. This little one is mocked and attacked for its grey tardiness and ugly appearance and it eventually flees looking for some sanctuary or security and respite. And following a severe winter, this little bird decides to seek out the royal birds, the swans that that he has dreamt of being like and seen gliding along with real grace and dignity. And Hans Christian Andersen writes this in that famous children's story. But what did he see in the clear stream? His own image. No longer a dark, grey, ugly and disagreeable to look at, but a beautiful and gracious swan. To be born in a duck's nest in a farmyard is of no consequence to a bird if it is hatched from a swan's egg. He now felt glad at having suffered sorrow and trouble because it enabled him to enjoy so much better all the pleasures and happiness around him. For the great swans swam round the newcomer and stroked his neck with their beaks as a welcome. This egg that hatched among ducks was not actually designed to be among the ducks. This was a swan. It was being assessed and measured on the base, a wrong set of basis, a wrong ideal, a wrong set of circumstances. And what John is telling us in 1 John 3, this magnificent truth is that we are becoming something far greater than we could imagine. That's the work that God is doing in your life and doing in my life. Because ultimately we are becoming reflections of God a process that will be complete when we see Jesus face to face. That's what Paul says in Romans 8 as well, that we're being transformed into his likeness. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 that we're being transformed with ever-increasing glory. There's a process going on in our lives, not just that we could accept who we are, but that we could become who God has planned that we could be. And this is the real you. This is the real me. 
not the person I see in the mirror, the disappointment with maybe how I look or some personal characteristics I might have, but the reality of a soul that has come into a living relationship with God through Jesus Christ and is being transformed into someone that God has a destiny and a future for, a glorious future. And one of the ways that we live free from the prison of low self-esteem is to understand the ways that God is continuing to work in our lives. That's what Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6, a, a verse that I love so much. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Be patient with yourself. God has not finished with you yet. You see, there is something about us that we are yet to see. There is an eternal dimension to our identity that will free us one day from the confines of this temporary life and all that we see around us. But I need to say to you today that that hope can only be found in Jesus, in a living relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not difficult, it's simple, it's profound, but it's a step of faith to say, I want to discover who I could genuinely and truly be for all eternity as a result of a living relationship with Jesus. And that's the question I want to ask you as we begin to draw to a close on this theme today. Do you want to discover the person God created you to be, his child? The, the dignity and the identity and the security and the destiny of a real life that is much bigger than the confines of how we're living? Do you want to know God personally maybe and, and be able to handle that inner critic that speaks such negative things into your heart and to your mind? Are you battling today with low self-esteem, your identity and that inner critic? Let me just remind you of the words of Jesus that Andy read to us right on the very beginning of this series. In John 8 verse 35, Jesus says, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And we want with all of our hearts for you to know the freedom that comes from not just receiving God into your heart and life, not just receiving the truth of Jesus. But if you already know that, like many of us, and you've walked with the Lord for many years, like many of us, to actually know today that you can live free in the knowledge of who you are in God's eyes. Glorious, so truly loved, so deeply loved. And that's our prayer for you today. And in a little while, when we go into back to Andy and Laura, they'll give you an opportunity if you want to know how you can connect to tell us how we can help you in those steps forward. God wants to reveal your freedom today. And there's a song that was so obvious we should sing. Uh, we were going to be singing it live here or certainly the band would have been, but we've got this song. It's a song that we all love so well, but it just reminds us that I am who you say I am, God. And where you are in your home, now or maybe watching this at another time 
We, we just really want you to seize this moment. We believe that God the Holy Spirit is there with you in this moment to remind you that you are who God says you are. And you can live free of the inner critic and the self-doubt and know his power in your heart and your life. And so this, friends, is I am who you say I am.